like it would really like it would shake stuff up like if i was holding on to something man that music would come in and like boom your belly would fall out and you'd start you'd be in worms and snakes and like you'd be in the jungle man and it like really brought stuff up for me and that's what i liked i wanted to get stirred up i wanted to go to the dark places of myself and figure out what was going on the opportunity to cut through so much of our melodrama and just meet inside our head together. And from this place, we can explore where we are on this journey. What we do understand and what we don't. Well, the first time I stepped in the room with the crew that came from the Amazon, I didn't know much about them. Um, I knew that they came from deep, deep in the Amazon. And what I mean by deep is you take a, a plane trip out from, I think, a town called Rio Branco to an even smaller place and then get in a canoe and ride for riding a canoe for two days up a tributary of the Amazon, I believe, where there's pink dolphins and stuff like that. Pretty wild ride to a place called um, Seldo Mapia. So this this crew was coming up to, at the time I was living on an island called Kauai, a beautiful place, and I was invited to cross the street from the farm I was working on and, and go to an, basically an introduction, a little orientation about something called ayahuasca, who I'd, or the farm manager I'd, had told us about. Knew what I'd, I had been searching you know for years for different types of spirituality and found my way to Kauai to get closer to the land and and always be working on myself and and learn to surf and and all those things that we we look for like pseudo spirituality or you know just a gateway to good feelings you know maybe that's what maybe it was just hedonism all those years that I was looking for just good feelings but it seemed like the the most complex and interesting ones were the spiritual paths so I was kind of on that path I was living off the land and we got invited to go across the street to this beautiful redwood building. I think it was an octagon and it was surrounded by banana trees and, and bird of paradise flowers, really beautiful. And and at this first introduction, there's maybe 40 or so of us. And it was me and my, my best buddy from the farm, and we were maybe 23 years old. Dreadlocks, beards, walking in. And, and the rest of the crew, it was all probably 50-somethings, men and women, professionals on the island. And uh, so we were kind of the young ones showing up and uh so the shaman enters the room and has a crew with him and uh i swear man he's a spitting image of al pacino with glasses on the end of his nose deep deep baritone voice uh and a like a skipper's jacket like he was the captain of a ship real character and he has this jacket just draped over his shoulders so he comes cruising in and his his wife is with him beautiful lady like the the picture of Amazonian beauty, long flowing black hair, like round moon face, beautiful skin. And and their two helpers. Um one was a guitarist and and one was a singer and they were dressed very formally, like white blouse, uh dark blue skirt and the man in a in a shirt and tie. Some prayers were were said and songs were spoken and 
and everyone kind of lined up and went up as if to get um, a communion in a Catholic church. And each person took a turn drinking this this uh, dark brown liquid, which smelled and tasted very much like, uh, I can only describe it as vomit, really. I mean, it was very pungent, very bitter, with a touch of sweetness in there somewhere. And very, very much like a, like a, when you dig into the ground, very earthy, like the smell of wet roots. So pretty disgusting. And I, every time I've, I've drank it, I got this really deep shiver, even deeper than the shiver you get when you drink tequila. Sometimes I get that shiver, but I mean, this was really awful stuff. And it, and as soon as it went in my body and it hit my stomach, like it felt like it was at home. For some reason, even though it was so disgusting, it smelled terrible when it hit. I was like, oh, yeah, that's the stuff, man. I can't wait. So you go back and you sit down and and you enter into a concentration time where maybe 15, 20 minutes. And it takes a little while for this medicine to, to kind of get going in your body. Um, they sing some some hymns, some real mellow songs, and you just kind of just kind of wait and you wait. And it's pretty quiet. And uh, then you then you start to feel a little something. turns out in this particular first ceremony what happened to me was I wanted to look at my life and, and see where the weak spots were and, and try to figure out what kind of baggage I had carried and, and what was keeping me from achieving a higher plane so my meditation started in reverse so from the point where I was sitting in the room having a meditation I started to move backward through my life like backward walking across the field back to the farm getting dressed in my white clothes back going back to the introduction the night before like moving back through farming on the land my entering Hawaii and eating and I just started moving backwards like it was a tape playing reverse and anytime I hit a spot where I felt like there was a glitch or I had I was questioning a uh, choice I made in my life or I had felt like I'd hurt someone it's like the tape would slow down and I would be there like I was actually transported to that place and I would see it happening and I have to look at the situation and I have to decide what I was going to do. And, and I'd have to accept what I, what I chose in my life. And, and each time I would accept it and like integrate it into my life and be like, all right, I know what I did wrong there. Um, I would be allowed to, to continue on and, and move back through my life. So this carried on and, and like I was spinning through years and going so fast. And as the medicine got stronger and stronger, I would move quicker and quicker back through my life, back into my teenage years. And I would stop and fix something and I'd move on. I'd shoot five years, ten years. And pretty soon, because I don't know how long I had been, I found myself with my head outside of the womb of my mother. And I remember looking around the hospital room with these bright lights and then being sucked up into the womb and and being in the embryonic fluid and, and feeling perfectly at home. And then from my navel, I remember seeing a silver thread that went up into into space I guess you could say I just went up into the ethers and uh, the silver cord and I remember shrinking down into like a size of a molecule and shooting up this cord like I was traveling through a tunnel and as I was traveling through space I, I could see ahead of me like I was moving through a wormhole and I could see ahead of me this like a central sun 
it's beautiful, beautiful, bright central sun, but not like a, not like a necessarily a sphere, but almost like it was a it was a presence, and it was it was the brightest thing that has ever been. And I remember shooting right into the center of it, and when I did, I I felt like my human body was in space, and I, like I was floating in space, and a five pointed star like hit me in in my face or my forehead, and I and I realized like that five pointed star was what the human body was and so I and I, I felt this wave come over me like I, I had made it home and in, in fact what it was was like the culmination of, of me searching and searching I always been to the into the Essene Gospels and the Dead Sea Scrolls and and trying to find the, the hidden chronicles of, of like the Christ myth and and Jesus walking with the apostles and, and what they're really about his travels to India and finding yoga and bringing it back and, and living as aesthetics and you know, as ascetics and living off the land, and, and so all of this search had had led me to to find like the, the human body as this as this perfect shape, this five pointed star, and I felt like that whole search had led me to this point, and that this this was a Christ energy, and not Jesus Christ, but like the Christ energy that was that was the hidden message behind the teaching, and so I got hit with this five pointed star, and it completely blew my mind open, and and how I relate looking back at it now was. I had been searching for God all of this time. And by finding it, by finding this moment and finding this central sun, which is the, this all-pervading intelligence, which is that same essence and personality I felt entering the room, by finding it, I killed it. And, and it, I'll try to explain what I mean by that. Because from that point on, my whole search for God and everything changed. It was like, God was real for me as an outside force for so long trying to find it and then when I when I found it within myself in this meditation it was like I integrated it and it neutralized and that whole search kind of just ended right there like I had I had met myself I had run into the mirror and realized that there was no need for any outside force anymore that's somehow I had seen the power of creation was at like the center of this was like the nucleus of, of everything and then I could access it at any time and that it was within me. So I hit that moment, the star hit me in the face. It was like I found an awakening and everything made, at that point, everything made sense to me. All my searching, you know, all of my travels, all of my hitching, hitchhiking across the country, looking for truth, hit me at that moment. I realized I'd been carrying it with me the whole time and that everyone carried it like inside of their molecules. That, like the, the big bang, that creation moment was the all pervading God and that it was everywhere. So having felt that amazing revelation, like I felt my consciousness return to my body in the room, sitting on this you know folding chair with all these other 50 or so odd people in this meditation. And the room was perfectly quiet. And, and throughout the ceremony, there's ups and downs where there's music and there's silence and there's music and silence. This happened to be one of those meditations where the room was completely quiet. No one was outside heaving. No one was really even breathing perceptibly. And as I came back into my body, I slowly opened my eyes. And I looked around and everyone else had their eyes closed. Everyone was deep in meditation. And then I looked to the table where the shaman was sitting and he was looking at me. He was the only one in the room with his eyes open. And he saw me come out of that meditation. And, he, and I think he must have seen that wave come over me. And then he just like slowly nodded, kind of like, yep, that's the one. You got it. You got it. From that point on, I loved this man through all the 60 or so ceremonies I ended up doing. 
Like I always felt like I had this connection. Like he saw me in that moment in the most pure place I had ever been. And he understood like he had, he had touched that place before and dedicated his life to people finding that. So when he saw me come out, he was like, that's the one you're there. man." And, you know, the kind of people that are drawn to something like this, you can imagine their characters in the first place. I don't even know how how people find out about these things because they come from all walks of life. It's like lawyers, doctors, everybody. But they're... And, and being in Hawaii where this was happening, they're all weirdos anyway. The people that find themselves, like, moving out there and living out there, they come from a kind of a different mindset anyway. You know, they're moving to the very tail end of the western world i mean Kauai is basically as far as you can get away with the from the western world and, and still be in america you know so these are already societal fringe you know personalities but some strange things definitely happen inside those rooms i remember one woman i mean and it's it's a pretty strict scenario like you know you can't just get high and do whatever you want like i said you sit in your chair you hold your space you follow the the form and function of this ceremony but there's one woman she would she would get up and, and start like, she would go into a kitchen. Sometimes they were held in people's homes, beautiful homes. She would get up and start like cooking food in the middle of a ceremony and you'd, you'd start smelling something and be like, what is going on? And the woman would come out, have stripped down to nothing, buck naked and and try to give people food. Or one time she was walking around and, and rubbing, and people are trying to hold their, hold their space in meditation so that you're not trying to react. She's walking around naked and she's got a bunch of aloe that she's cut outside in the garden. So she's opening up these aloe leaves and she's rubbing aloe on people's faces and like on their necks and like going up to the shaman and like trying to put aloe on the shaman and like buck naked, you know, just crazy. And everybody just very calm and just kind of get her back to her seat and sit her down. That's also lady. A lot of people would say they saw levitating during things. But you'd hear people screaming constantly. That ceremony, that same ceremony, someone fell over, busted their head, had to get taken to the hospital to get stitches. And and so at it wasn't me, thankfully, at that moment. But as one of the helpers in the church, you would actually have to take this person while you're both really high in medicine because there's no one there who's who's sober. There's just people who've had the medicine long enough to be able to maintain. Drive them to the hospital, get them stitched up, and bring them back and and maintain your stuff you know so a pretty heavy responsibility so from what i remember in the stories that i've been told as ayahuasca had been used for you know thousands of years in the amazon um they had their ways and and these these natives and in in this particular church they're called they're called the caboclos they were the native people in the amazon had their ceremony that they would do and um there was a there was a man a seven foot tall rubber tapper who was in the jungle and and got involved with these caboclos and did a ceremony and was met in his vision by the, the queen of the forest basically the queen of the amazon who came to him basically as a virgin mary character and and told him he had a mission to to share this medicine with the world and and gave him 150 200 songs in a night so when he came out of his his journey, his life changed, and from then on, it was all about creating this movement, which became known as Santo Daime. And as the years went on, a community was built, and um, 
his his um I'm trying to remember the the connection I believe he his favorite student that's what it was his favorite student took on the work and through religious persecution and things kept getting pushed further and further into the Amazon until they until they finally founded this place Seldomapia deep in the in the Amazon forest and the lineage carries on and through his daughter and she meets uh, a young man from from Rio and uh, who happens to be the shaman that I worked with and um to and they start to go out and become missionaries basically to to spread the word because they believe that this plant medicine is actually the the return i mean in time the christian archetypes kind of get woven onto these the caboclos these these um native amazonian people's archetypes so in time it takes on this more christian form and they start becoming missionaries to share it because they believe that the plant medicine is actually the second coming of christ and so these missionaries start heading out um, in different directions. There's the son of one of the founders of the church going in one direction. Then, then there's this shaman, this particular shaman who we work with going in another. But it just so happens that his interests um, run a bit deeper than, than the normal teaching that happens with this church. And he's kind of involved in what's called Umbanda, which is like a, um, a, a weaving of the old ayahuasca and the new ayahuasca, so to speak, where um, they use forest they use the forest spirits in a mediumship in the sense of where they would drink the medicine and then they would allow spirits to enter their body, say spirits of, of dead slaves that are called preto velos, enter their body and to teach the rest of, of the people there who are on the medicine and teach them old stories or wisdom from these dead spirits. So what we didn't know is when they came to Hawaii that this particular shaman was was working with this um, kind of offshoot of this Santo Dame sect and called Umbanda. And this is not the normal um, direction they would go. They would, when entering a new community, they'd bring a bit of a watered-down version of, of of the ceremony, kind of easygoing, kind of simple, uh, very Christian in, in a lot of ways, you know, talking about Christ energy and just healing and, and moving toward the light. But this particular shaman brought Umbanda, and this is the thing that, that really got me was this this dark Amazonian, this rhythm that came with it. That was, that was hugely, that was very important because people would get stuck. You know, people would get trapped in a space in, in their mind. You know, and there's times where I felt like I was in quicksand and get really sticky and it's near the end of, say, a meditation where everything's quiet and then the music would come in and it would pull you out. And, even, and people have even spoken to me about stories where this woman, this helper that came along with the shaman, she would actually appear in their visions when they were stuck somewhere. And like she would actually physically walk over to them and check on them and just kind of stand near their chair. And they said they would see her enter their vision and like lend them a helping hand and pull them out. And that's kind of what the music did. And, and after, you know, thousands of years of working with this medicine, the, the, the shamanic people had somehow learned to develop the music to create a pace. They knew the stages that people go through in the medicine. And so they would kind of craft the songs and, and their rhythm and pace that kind of move things along. So it was, it was hugely important. And so when the music was happening, you, you latched onto it. It like took over what you were and like the pace of what the, and the direction of where your mind went. So I think it was all important for, for people to move through things. Otherwise, I don't know what would happen if we just, people drank this medicine and just sat there for hours on their own I think you'd end up with a lot of bad trips they, you need guidance like I've, I used to go to a place 
during the concentrations that I'd call the map room because I felt like it was a, the middle of the spider web where everything kind of connected. So to have fun or to get work done, I would go to that place, kind of look around and, and see what threads went out into my own psyche and, and go out and, and work on things and change things. And I, I don't think I'm the same person as, as when I went in because I've gone what I believe in, the astral to me was like a, a, a subsection of my subconscious that I could actually with the medicine be conscious in and, and kind of go through dream states and go through like my moral codes and and make changes and make tweaks to things and see what wasn't serving me or my path and make a little nudge here make a little nudge there go through my history change how I look at my life and then when I came out when I was straight again that's that's the way it was from then on and so I know that people have gone in and, and try to make those changes and, and come out maybe not not for the better and then have to go back in, try to find that place again, fix it. So guidance is, was all important. Like I had an, an intention to try to make myself like into this, to the Superman, you know, in, in essence of like being lucid all the time. That's what I was kind of looking for in all of this. The reason I went to any of this was to try to find some kind of lucidity in life that I wasn't just a sleepwalker. That's the way it was from then on. And work on things, end up with a lot of bad trips. They, you need guidance. Like I've, I used to go to a place during the concentrations that I'd call the map room because I felt like it was a, the middle of the spider web where everything kind of connected. So to have fun or to get work done, I would go to that place, kind of look around and, and see what threads went out into my own psyche and, and go out and, and work on things and change things. And I, I don't think I'm the same person as, as when I went in because I've gone... What I believe, the astral to me was like a, a, a subsection of my subconscious that I could actually, with the medicine, be conscious in and, and kind of go through dream states and go through like my moral codes and and make changes and make tweaks to things and see what wasn't serving me or my path and make a little nudge here, make a little nudge there, go through my history, change how I look at my life. And then when I came out, when I was straight again, that's that's the way it was from then on. And so I know that people have gone in and, and tried to make those changes and, and come out maybe not not for the better and then have to go back in, try to find that place again, fix it. So guidance is, was all important. Like I had an, an intention to try to make myself like into this, to the Superman, you know, in, in essence of like being lucid all the time. That's what I was kind of looking for in all of this. The reason I went to any of this was to try to find some kind of lucidity in life that I wasn't just a sleepwalker. You know, I felt like I had I had sleptwalk a lot through my early early childhood and young adulthood, and I felt like a lot of the people around me that I was experiencing in the world through all my travels were were kind of on autopilot, kind of sleepwalking through life. So that's what it was all about for me was was lucidity. And so I'd go at any of those places where I felt like that were holding me down. Sometimes I would just try to cut things off or just shave them away because I felt like they were they were dead weight like guilt about things I'd just be like no I don't need that it's not serving the ultimate purpose of being awake every day trying to be aware of that I'm that I'm floating on this sphere 
in this in this great void and to and to use this short amount of time for you know for positivity and to shine light and to be creative and to try to make a, a small difference in this in this huge universe that other people can be inspired and try to find lucidity themselves Years later, 18 years later, I heard that this the shaman that I love so much and his wife, and I knew his wife hadn't been coming for years and years, so it was very rare to get them in the same place together. It had been starting to become more, I was living in California at the time and ayahuasca was becoming more popular. And so rumors would fly around when a new shaman was coming around and the rumor hit me that it was this particular guy, this the same guy, this Al Pacino guy that I, that I love so much. And I was like, wow, I, I don't really feel like I... I want to drink the medicine so much. I mean, it wouldn't hurt, but I really want to see this shaman. The only way I'm going to see this guy is if I go to a ceremony. So I'll, I'll sign up and I'll go check it out. So the, the plan was to go for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is kind of the norm. You'd go for a Friday evening. You'd kind of have the liftoff ceremony. It'd be pretty good. Um, you drink a pretty good amount, but not too much. And then you come back Saturday, kind of early evening, drink a lot have a really profound experience and then Sunday have more a mellow kind of integration experience and then and then out you'd have a whole weekend of it so I went I went expecting to do this whole weekend and got there he came in we had the, the introductions we we said hello but you know the ceremony gets going quick we didn't really have time to to chat about old times but I just thought well it'd be nice to be in the ceremony see those guys hear them sing I mean, their kids who who had drank the ayahuasca of this before when they were like five years old had like come in the room and said profound things when they were little kids. Like now they were in the room and like the son had a beard. It was like, you know, it had been a long time since I seen these people. So I, you know, drank the medicine and sat in my meditation and tried to make myself really small. Like, like they oftentimes tell you because when this thing comes, it's like a hurricane and, and the bigger you are, the bigger your ego is, the more that can get knocked over. So you try to make yourself really small, like a mouse, and you can kind of sneak in under the radar of this massive wave of medicine and get your ego out of the way quickly so you can kind of get a good lesson. So I try to make myself really small. I had been 18 years, and I'm like, well, I'm sure I have a lot of baggage through from just the past 18 years of my life. I'm going to have a lot of work to do. I'll make myself really small. I'll be really humble. I'll ask for whatever is coming to me and expect to, to get hit really hard. So I go into this meditation and really quickly, surprisingly, I end up in this vision of a beautiful forest, like an Amazonian forest, and here is this 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 glowing like like queen, like like the almost like the queen of the elves from Lord of the Rings, like you know, glowing, you know, and and standing like fifteen feet tall in front of me. This beautiful, angelic, like Virgin Mary bright shining fairy queen, pretty much. And it's the queen of the forest. I, I, I know what it is. I know who she is. I feel I, like she knows me. I know her. We've been here before in the astral. And I said, you know, oh, please excuse me. I just came back to, you know, to check in. I want to make myself small. Teach me whatever you, whatever you need to teach me and show me about myself. Please, please give it to me. I'll, I'll do the, the work as best as I can. And she says, no, no, no. You know, you and I, we're fine. You know, we've done this before. Your work is out there now. And I'm just paraphrasing because she didn't really talk like that. But she was like, 
and it was more of like a consciousness sharing but she's like no we're good in here in the astral plane you've done your work we're we're happy with you you're fine now go back out into the world you know what your work is now you are secure you you're settled into the thing whatever you're doing now is what you're supposed to be doing thanks for coming we're all set don't worry about it and I was like really that's it she's like don't worry about it you're good and on your way out here's a little gift and so as I was walking away like she unleashed this this storm of of like kaleidoscope visions on me just as what appeared to be just a gift for fun you know so I saw this explosion of like kaleidoscope jungle visions just total beauty and after that wave came over me I opened my eyes I was back in the room which happened to be a, a gymnasium in Sausalito is where this ceremony was taking place, like a, on a basketball court, basically. And we're all set up in the middle of it, and there's probably 75 people in there. And I opened my eyes, and I just felt, like, totally straight, totally sober. And I skipped the next round of drink. There's usually three, four rounds of, of drinking this the medicine. I skipped the next round. I felt like I was done. I said my goodbyes to the shaman. At this point... He fully, it had been a long time, but he fully remembered who I was. And he like looked at me and he like nodded his head. He was like, oh, I remember you now. So we said our goodbyes. I got in my car and I drove three and a half hours home, like totally sober, totally done. Being like, all right, I came, I saw, that's it. I'm pretty much done. I mean, I'm not going to say that's it forever, but I felt like I, I made my peace with ayahuasca. And, and that was it. I felt like I reprogrammed myself to a pretty good place. And, and now I'm ready to just live with that from here on out. Feeling pretty good about it. The Mirror Cave is produced by Scott Harrison. With music by Aker 